We're checking in this morning with our uh, state representative, Andrew Fink, for the very latest of what's happening in, in Lansing. And this last week, the governor's State of the State address. I, I suppose if you were writing a Yelp review, it, it wouldn't have been a five-star, would it? Hey, King, good morning. Thanks for having me on. No, I couldn't have given it five stars. Um, <laughs> One star, maybe? Well, you know, I just found it to be mostly an unserious speech. I mean, the governor was kind of joking around throughout about topics even as serious as not just the economy, but abortion. So I thought it was sort of bizarre in that sense. Um, but I also thought it was really focused on issues that would kind of resonate with what she might perceive to be her base outside of Michigan, if you take my point. Um, and I noticed yesterday in the Detroit News there was a report that David Axelrod, who was President Obama's political advisor, uh, said the same thing. So to me, it, it came off as more of a, uh, a presidential primary pitch than a real plan for Michigan. Within that, there were a number of different items that you took uh, exception to, including uh, her discussion uh, about uh, about gun control, right? Yeah, well, there was a, a very, what I thought was a really strange incongruity in her discussion about firearms because she said the problem is illegal guns and uh, and illegal purchases, you know, what she referred to as straw purchases. Uh, and then she named a handful of policies uh, that would make it more difficult to legally own a firearm. And so I, I thought it was really disconnected. The, the, the supposed problem is firearms that are already illegal or illegally purchased. Um, and we have, you know, millions of Michiganians peacefully and lawfully owning firearms according to our Constitution's guarantee that that they can keep and bear arms. That's in both our state and federal constitutions, of course. And uh, and reflecting on, on all of those, you know, again, illegal guns or illegal gun purchases, she said we need to make more guns illegal and more guns uh, or more gun deals illegal, uh, which doesn't address the problem of the gun violence with the, with the illegal firearms that are already out there. So rather than focusing on enforcing the gun laws we have, she seems to think that adding more guns or uh, more, more laws to the um, to the books is the solution. It just does not make any sense to me. All right. She had said going into it there was going to be more conciliatory tone to it, that she would be discussing uh, working together across the aisle with the, with Republicans. Uh, did you get any feel for that at all? I checked my um, thinking on this with a couple of reporters the day after, and they seemed to agree with me that the only two Republicans she mentioned, she mentioned the word bipartisan a handful of times, maybe even a dozen, but when it came to actually naming Republicans whose accomplishments she admired or who she's worked with, she only named Teddy Roosevelt and Ronald Reagan. And the thing that those guys have in common is that they've been dead for a while. So, no, I didn't think that she was really sincere in her calls for bipartisanship. She name-checked a bunch of different members of the legislature and other Democratic politicians. Uh, but when it came to actually um, looking to Republicans she can work with today, uh, she seemed to, to not be able to see one side of the aisle. All right, talking to Representative uh, Andrew Fink this morning. Now, the legislature got underway with uh, with a number of items. Again, uh, you, you say uh, that some, some votes that the Democrats rushed through in, in secrecy with this legislation. Tell us about those. Yeah, to be honest, I never understood the rush, but um, the, main, the main one there is Senate Bill 7, which is an appropriation supplemental, uh, wound up being about $950 million of, of spending. And uh, for some reason, the, the, the Democrats passed it out of the Senate on a party-line vote in, in a, uh, without going to committee, kind of in a rush. It came over to the House, and then there was evidently some negotiation left to do between the House leadership and the Senate leadership, so they 
zeroed it out, took all the, the text out of the bill, essentially, and or all the numbers out of the bill, and sent it to conference committee, uh, which is where three members of each House, so two Democrats from the Senate and, uh, and the House, and one Republican from each, go and negotiate the, the terms of the bill, and then it can only come back to each floor for a party, or I shouldn't say a party line vote, it wound up being nearly that, but for an up or down vote. There's no opportunity for regular members to amend it. There's no committee process. And what was never explained to me is why it had to happen that quickly and in that fashion. Uh, the, the rush, you know, the difference would have been mere days between going through a normal committee process and doing it this way. It did wind up being over a half a, bil- a, half a billion dollars in corporate incentives. And, you know, I think people are starting to realize that it's, uh, it's an expensive way to potentially, without a guarantee, keep jobs in Michigan to, to hand hundreds of millions of dollars to companies, sometimes companies that are not even based in America, let alone Michigan. Mm-hmm. So I think that the secrecy was probably about the, the unpopularity of some of the spending priorities in there. Uh, but I never understood the rush, and it was never explained to me, even though I kept asking. The legislature also took up, the Senate did, uh, earned income tax credit bill and uh, a retirement income tax bill as well. Uh, give us your thoughts on those. Yeah, the House passed those as well. Yeah, the retirement tax one is the one that's gotten the most attention, and, and it's something that I think a lot of us would like to support a version of. But the version that passed and, and uh, the, the House did refuse uh, an amendment uh, on, on this that would have, I think, improved it, only gives relief to people with public pensions. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If you're a person who worked at you know, a UAW job, then you might have a pension that is not included in this uh, tax relief plan. And certainly if you're a person with other forms of retirement income or a 401K or an IRA, that's not included. And, and the uh, senior citizen who wasn't able to save enough money in his uh, life or, or just wants to keep working and is um, either working in his original career or, or maybe at uh, you know Home Depot or Greeter at Walmart or something like that, those folks are not uh, included in this plan either. And so it seems to me it's a very unfair plan. It's targeted primarily at state government workers. Um, and that's not even all of them because many of them are not getting pensions now. So it's a very small slice of the population that's getting relief. And the EITC, I would say something somewhat similar, which is we had a, an opportunity with the surplus we have in the state to do tax relief for everyone. And I don't think piecemealing it up and, and dividing it up among, uh, among our citizens is the, is the best approach. The ITC has the merit of being for um, families that are working, and that is good. But it is also a refundable credit, which means a person could have essentially a negative tax, you know, get, get uh, money back beyond what their tax liability would have been. That's something I, I think we need to limit, and so I couldn't I couldn't support this version of the EITC either. Um, you know, I've been pretty vocal about tax relief that I want to support, uh, but it seems like the Democrats, when they're willing to talk about it, it's always just a small number of people, a special interest here, a special interest there. With these that's bills getting the right way to do it. yeah, with these bills getting pushed through quickly like that, is that setting the tone for this year in the legislature? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I will say so far uh, we've heard. Uh, the majority leader say there's 40 years of pent-up ideas or something from the Democrats, but there seems to also be some pent-up aggression because I will just say I haven't seen a lot of magnanimity out of the, the Democrat leadership here. Obviously, they've got control of the government. They don't have to you know, work with people like me if they don't want to, uh, but I sure think it'd be more effective for the people all across the state if they did. Uh, so you know, we'll have to see. Uh, I, I do have concerns that, that getting out of normal processes like this 
mistakes are going to be made, and, and uh, people are, the people of Michigan are going to wind up paying for them. Andrew, thanks for checking in this morning. If not sooner, we'll talk in a couple of weeks, all right? See you then, Ken. Thank you. 35th District State Representative Andrew Fink this morning with us.